0: All right, good morning, Grace Point. God bless you, those that are here with us and those joining us by Facebook and different states. And so many people would uh, message me and say, we'll be watching Sunday morning. So good morning. God bless you. We're glad that you are tuned in this morning. I want to look at uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. I'll just read that one and we'll pray and let you be seated uh, this morning. Zechariah, the prophet, he prophesies... What we're going to talk about today, as already has been mentioned, this is Palm Sunday. And uh, the significance of what happened on that day is largely lost to most Christians who are not familiar with the Jewish roots and the culture and even the seven feasts of the Lord. And they get very confused uh, about what happened. So I entitled this uh, message, Why Jesus Wept on Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday is called several things. It's called Palm Sunday and then it's called the triumphal entry. Uh, However, neither one of those phrases are found in your Bible. Uh, The Bible never says triumphal entry and it never says or acknowledges Palm Sunday. That doesn't mean they're wrong to say that or to refer to it as that, but there is something much more uh, significant that happened that day and there is a reason that What should have been a a joyous uh, celebration that Jesus wept over it. It actually brought tears to his eyes. And uh, Zechariah had prophesied this day uh, many, many years prior to it happening. Hundreds of years, in fact. And uh, he said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the, fo- the foal of a donkey. And so uh, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy when he came in to Jerusalem that day, riding on uh, a baby donkey, essentially, riding on that donkey into the city. And, uh, and so that's what we want to, uh, to look at this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We just declare your power, your victory. Is, it's been sung today over this virus. As we approach Passover this Wednesday night, we declare that this thing will pass over this nation. And Father, we just thank you for revealing yourself so strong and mighty in the midst of this time. And Father, I pray peace and and Lord God, just the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Guard the hearts and minds of your people today in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said Amen. You can be seated. I want us to look in the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, Luke 19 and beginning in verse 38. Again, this is the gospel, and all the gospels record this event, this Palm Sunday. The reason it's called Palm Sunday is because it's taken from the fact that the Jews came out that day as Jesus was entering the city, and they brought palms. They began to cut down palm branches and which were readily available to them. And they began to, to wave those palms and, and to begin to shout uh, phrases uh, actually from the Psalms, Hosanna. And, uh, and they said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. They're speaking now to Jesus. And they said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And as he drew near the city, notice this, he saw the city and he wept over it. Jesus actually wept over the city. Now, it's supposed to be a joyous occasion, a triumphal entry, as many have called it. But Jesus is weeping. He's crying. And uh, that's puzzling, if if you think about it. Uh, Saying, if you had only known. This is what Jesus' response is. He said, if you had known, even you. Now, look how he words this. If you had known, even you especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from you, from your eyes. They're, they're not hidden because God's hiding them. They're, they're, they're hidden because of their unbelief. Their hearts are so hardened. And Jesus said, if you'd only known what would bring peace in your life. That, and that's something we can say to a lot of people. I, mean, I see people live in hell in their marriage because they they, apparently they don't know what brings peace in their marriage. They don't know what brings peace in their heart, peace in their home, peace in the world. And, uh, and it broke Jesus' heart that they couldn't see that, that, they couldn't, that their hearts were so hardened and so filled with hatred and violence, uh, particularly for the Romans. And Jesus said, for the days, now he, in verse 43, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, uh, surround you, close you in on every side, and level you. He's talking about Jerusalem. Remember, he's weeping over the city. And your children within you to the ground. They're going to level you to the ground, he said. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And he gives them the reason. He said, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You you didn't know the timing here. You didn't didn't receive the one who God sent to come that would bring you peace. So so this story is known to a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians today today. If if services were going on, they would be passing out palm branches, nothing wrong with that. But those of us, especially in this house and where I've told about the seven feasts of the Lord, uh, that's what they're called in Leviticus 23, but the first feast, and we're coming coming up on it, uh, actually begins Wednesday night, this Wednesday night at sundown, because the Jewish calendar, the uh, Hebraic calendar begins, the day begins at sunset, most of you know that. So beginning Wednesday night. Uh, at sunset begins the Passover. Now, the Passover was kind of like what we're going through in a sense today. Everybody was ref- uh, confined to their homes and uh, they were to shut the door. Now, they were to take the blood of a lamb and they said one lamb for every house and apply that blood. A lot of people are kind of doing things like that. They're putting out red ribbons, putting up red banners. Nothing wrong with all that as long as you know it ain't the banner or the ribbon that's saving you. Uh, but it's the blood of Jesus. Jesus. And it's just, a, it's just a declaring of that and, and saying that our confidence is, is no different than it was thousands of years ago when the first one and only Passover really ever occurred. And every Passover uh, since then has just been a remembrance of that initial one Passover. And, of course, Jesus Christ, Paul said, our Passover lamb was crucified for us. Jesus was that lamb. He was that Passover, but but I want you to see something. This right here turned into a great disappointment for the Jews that day. Now now you need to understand because the Pat, the Palm Sunday thing is a lot more complicated than most you know initially look at it and, and see. It's not that just Jesus wept over what was going to go on. He he told them that the city would be leveled, uh, and he said he told them why because you don't understand that God's visiting you that. That God is standing before you. Je- How many knows Jesus was God, Emmanuel, God with us? So God in human form was standing before them, and He was visiting them. He, 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 it was a time of their visitation. He He didn't even they didn't even recognize it. They They, they didn't know it. Uh, there's a lot of significance in everything that Jesus did. Number one, He comes in riding on a donkey. Why did He do that? When you see your, uh, see pictures over now of uh, the the Russian leader. Uh, Uh, Putin, he rides a white horse. You've seen pictures of him probably in the news sometime back, you know, with his shirt off and riding that great white uh, stallion, you know, and he's trying to show that he's a conqueror. You notice he didn't put pictures of himself riding on a donkey. Uh, In the Bible culture of that day, many times, often uh, kings and leaders would be, would come into a city, and when they would come into a city, they would they would come in riding on a donkey. And so the culture knew what he was saying, whether they received it or not, but they knew what he was saying. In other words, him riding in a donkey means I'm coming in peace. I didn't come on on a horse of war. I didn't come to conquer you or to bring you under bondage or submission or, or anything like that. I came in peace. That's what Jesus is, the prince of peace. He came in peace. He came to bring them peace. And that's why he wept over the city because they wasn't getting it. He said, if you'd only known what... The things are that would bring peace to you, but it's hidden from you. You're, 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 you're missing it. Jesus did not come in riding a great uh, war horse. And so every, those of us that know these seven feasts, the last feast of the Lord and the greatest feast and the most often mentioned feast in the Bible is the Feast of Tabernacles. And they are instructed with the Feast of Tabernacles to actually to bring out the palm branches and to wave the palms and to do all that. So these Jews were actually tr- trying to invoke another Feast of the Lord different than the one that was actually at hand. Uh, this first day of the week, and very significant, it is happening just like this on our Gregorian calendar. But Sunday is the first day of the week. And so on this day, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose into the city. And he came in by his own choosing. He sent his disciples to get this colt, And he knew by the Spirit of God that he was fulfilling a prophecy from the prophet Zechariah. And he comes into the city and he sees them, uh, you know, and and, and it was a time of rejoicing. And he was a king. Uh, Zechariah said, your king is coming to, to you riding on a donkey. And so he was a king, but he wasn't coming in as a conquering king. He was coming in as a Passover lamb. He was coming in to offer his life, to sacrifice his life, and that's the time that's upon us right now. And, uh, and so this story is real familiar to a lot of people, but they forget that Passover comes before the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, they, they wanted a physical deliverance to happen right then. In other words, they thought that, that uh, their physical deliverance was the most paramount thing uh, in their minds and, but they, they, listen, they missed the fact that their real need was not so much physical deliverance as spiritual deliverance. We, we, we got people right now This word about a physical virus that can take their life. And I, I understand that, but, but they really should be more concerned about eternal death that can take their soul. But, but, but Just like the the, the Jews then, they wanted deliverance physically and they wanted it immediately. So the, the phrase Hosanna means save us now or save now. And so they wanted to be saved right then and there. And they thought that Jesus was going to come in, clap his hands three times, and God was going to you know, send 600 billion angels and, and 3,000 military uh, angels, and they were going to kick Rome out of Jerusalem and, and take over the city and make uh, Jerusalem and Israel a nation to be dealt with in the world. That's what they were wanting. That's what they were expecting, and that's what they were believing for. They're going to be sadly disappointed. And, uh, but we, we miss this, you know, a lot of times you got folks that will tell you, well, God's up to this, God's doing this, grab a palm branch and wave it hard. You know what I'm saying? And that's what these people were doing and they were rejoicing and they were uh, waving those palm branches and, and they were saying, save us now, Hosanna, save us right now. And, uh, but it wasn't going to happen like they thought. Now, all they wanted was physical deliverance, but they didn't, need, they didn't want spiritual deliverance. And if God had delivered them physically from Rome's power, their hearts would not have changed. They would have still been the same person that they were before. And, and, and that's what happens sometimes with things that's going on. And, and I know you probably about like me, you know, you're sick of hearing the word virus and coronavirus. And you walk around, if you do go have to go somewhere, it looks like you're in the middle of an apocalypse movie. Everybody with the mask. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear a mask. I don't, God bless you. I don't care what you do as far as that. But it's a weird feeling. It makes you You just have to kind of shake yourself and then say, is this real? You know, is this, is this real? Um, but it, it, it's similar in that sense that they just said, save us now. We, we, we want you to come in. And, and, and those Jews knew their own history, I promise you. And, it, and 200 years prior to this happening, Another man named Judas Maccabees, Uh, he was a zealot. He he was a a person that that was a, they would call him a freedom fighter today. And and he he rode into Jerusalem. Now, a Syrian king had taken over Jerusalem and had, had the Jews in bondage. So 200 years to Jesus riding in on Palm Sunday, Judas Maccabees, he rode in on a donkey just like this. Uh, but he didn't come in on not a donkey. He didn't come in on a donkey, like Jesus. He came in on a horse, and he came in and he attacked that city, and he uh, destroyed that Syrian king. He delivered the temple, and he took back control of uh, Jerusalem on behalf of the Jews. and uh, And they thought Jesus and that and that and that uh, liberty he brought Jerusalem lasted for a hundred years. The, the Jews had control of. Jerusalem for a hundred years after Judas Maccabees delivered it. And the Jews knew that and they, they thought they were going to be re, reliving that again. And then, But now for the last hundred years they had been under uh, domination from foreign uh, forces again. And now particularly Rome. And uh, so they thought that Jesus, not only is He fulfilling Bible prophecy, But he's also also echoing the things that have happened just 200 years prior to this. And that's why even more loudly were they just hollering Hosanna and, 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 you know, save us now. Because in their minds, what they were looking for was an earthly king to deliver them out of the physical moment that they was in. But I want to tell you something. Um, It would be these same people, listen to me, that are saying Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These same people less than a week will be hollering, crucify him. you got to think about that for a second. The same people that are, are, are saying, Hosanna, save us now. But because he didn't save them now, he didn't do it. In other words, we all want a God after our image. And we want a deity that will deliver us according to our plans. And when it doesn't happen like we want it to happen, then then that expectation, in other words, the the fact that they're waving palm branches is significant, that they they are demonstrating their expectation. They are demonstrating their expectation. But, But what happens is, I've heard it said that expectations are resentments under construction. Did you hear me? Expectations often are resentments that are under construction. In other words, if I don't meet your expectation, then you resent it. In other words, there's, resentment comes out of unmet expectations. And sometimes our expectations are not according to what God's doing at the moment, and we don't understand that. Now, they wanted him to, to save them now, and when they did in less than seven days, the same people are hard to crucify him, crucify him. And so God's solutions often have very little to do with how we would like our salvation to look when it comes. And sometimes we don't understand. And just like Pastor Jonah said, God didn't send this virus. And there's all kind of nuts and flakes and so-called preachers and pastors and religious people that are, dec- and, you know, and I, I don't make no apology for saying it that way, that are saying that God's doing this and God's doing that. And it's, you know, because of sin and God's trying to purify, you know, God don't send a virus to purify the world. He sent his son. And, uh, and so it's just, you know, Jesus wept because he foresaw the destruction of Jerusalem. He, he, he said Jerusalem was doomed because the Jews did not recognize the time of God's coming to them. They just didn't recognize it. And, 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 and you can't receive what you don't recognize. Uh, he, he said that that would bring you peace. And, you, and, and you, you're rejecting it. He was talking about himself. He was talking about that I'm the prince of peace. I come to, to, to not only bring you peace but to be peace for you. But uh, the Jews had embraced him, uh, if, if they had embraced him and his gospel of peace, then what happened to the Jews 40 years later would have never happened. And when I say to the Jews, I'm talking about to them specifically, but I'm talking about to the city of Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about Bible history, uh, Jerusalem was leveled to the ground. Exactly like Jesus said, when he prophesied that, and I already read it for you, he said, Not one stone will be left upon us. That happened in seventy AD. Everything Jesus said, they will build an embankment around you. The Romans did that. They they put that city under siege. And uh and, and the, the Roman uh, conquerors came and, 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 and they cut the city off from supplies. There was a famine in the city. I mean, you can read this, even on Wikipedia's got the destruction of, the, uh, of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, uh, at, at that time, it said, that's the, that came the end of the temple and the temple was destroyed. There's still no temple. Uh, it was absolutely leveled to the ground. And so you got to ask yourself something because when things go on, People look for a reason, uh, you know, somebody to blame or what's the cause. And so what about the fall of Jerusalem? Now, that's why Jesus wept on Palm Sunday, because he saw that this city is going to be destroyed. Now, a lot of Christians will read that and just say, well, God was behind that. You know, but was the fall of Jerusalem God's wrath in action? Was that God's wrath? Was God punishing Jerusalem for their sins? Did God use the Roman? Uh, did Did God use the Romans? Let me say it this way: to to uh, to mete out uh, a little payback for crucifying His Son. Was God angry? Was God paying them back for their sins for crucifying His Son? Uh, was He punishing Jerusalem because of their sin? Absolutely not. Now listen. Hebrews chapter 9 and 26 says this, but now talking about Jesus, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by what? By the sacrifice of himself. And so, now listen to me if God destroyed Jerusalem on account of his sin, then the Bible is unreliable. Jesus' work is not finished and it remains unfinished. Uh, God is in the sin punishment business uh, and your city could be next on his hit list. I don't know about you, but none of that sounds like good news. That's bad news all the way around. But thank God that the good news declares that on the cross God condemns sin once and for all in the body of his own son, Jesus Christ. That's Romans 8 and 3. So was God dishing out some kind of old covenant retribution to the Jews? Is that why he wept? Is that why the city was destroyed? Uh, When Jesus told them the city would be destroyed and the temple would be destroyed and not one stone left upon another, he wasn't saying, I'm behind it. He he can't help that he knows everything. You know what I'm saying? He knew that was coming. God had revealed it by the Spirit to him. And so was God distributing some kind of old covenant retribution, punishing sinners is a very old covenant thing to do. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? It's something associated with the law-keeping and with the law. The Bible says Christ is the end of the law to them that believe in him. And so, but under the old covenant, under the old way, you know, uh, the Jews were blessed if they did good, cursed if they did bad. And so the religious Jews... Uh, they, they continued. you got to understand this. Let me tell you something. The only damage God did to Jerusalem is He did one, one bit of damage. He ripped the veil in the temple that separated the holy from the holiest of all. And God ripped that veil, the Bible says, from top to bottom. That's the only damage God did to the whole city of Jerusalem. Is he, he was signifying supernaturally, I am done with the old system. And I am done with the old covenant. And Jesus Christ, when he came, it changed everything. Now, it didn't change some people because they didn't believe in him. And as far as they were concerned, as far as the Jews concerned, and sadly, as far as a lot of Jews today, they still do not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And they, they do not acknowledge that his coming, uh, you know, brought a new covenant. And they're still looking for it. And they're still looking for Messiah. Now, what these Jews that day with the palm branches, they're looking for a sword-wielding Messiah. Not a donkey riding peace, Messiah. mm not, not at all. That's why all the teachings that Jesus gave them when he walked among them went, went pretty much on deaf ears. He told them when the Romans asked you to walk a mile, then, you know, go two with them. He said, turn the other cheek. And, you know, but, but they, they, they hated the Romans. J- Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them. If they're thirsty, give them drink. If they're hungry, give them food. That's what Jesus said, but they wouldn't have any of that. Their their hearts were filled with hatred and anger over the Romans, and they hated them. They hated their presence in their city. They hated them being there. And so, uh, Jesus warned them that this is what—if you'd only know what would bring peace to you, peace to your city. uh, I mean, this doesn't have to happen to you, but you—you won't listen. You, you 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 won't you won't have your heart open and that's why it broke Jesus' heart because he saw the destruction that was coming he saw the pain he saw all that I don't have time to get in that I've talked about it in the past here but you know a lot of people are looking for a future tribulation I'm telling you that they went through tribulation Jesus told them in Matthew 24 most of everything in Matthew 24 is talking about the 70 AD destruction of the city of Jerusalem. He told them when you see these things, when you see them surround you when your enemy surrounds you he said flee the city. He told them how to spare their lives and to get out of there because this destruction is going to come because these people that are in charge will not receive that that would bring peace to them. And Jesus foretold all of that. And so was God punishing Jerusalem for crucifying his son? Was that what happened? Uh, You you know, you can even pick up Bible commentaries that will say that. That will say Adam Clark commentary, uh, one that I have in in my library says, that, that God was punishing, uh, he was bringing divine retribution, he called it, to the Jews. In other words, God's angry with them and God's mad because they crucified his son. And, uh, and, and a lot of Christians have an anti-Semitic philosophy and theology. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, they, they said that the reason the Jews have had such a hard time is because they said his blood be upon us. And upon our children, and therefore they've been suffering ever since. And that's why Hitler tried to kill them and exterminate them, and that's why they've suffered so much. And because it's just God's behind it, and God. Let me tell you something: God's not anti-Semitic. Do you understand? God's it's just the it's just the messed up thinking that we have. And you got to understand that 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 Jerusalem. God loved that city. That's why He's He's weeping uh, through His Son. I mean, He's he, He's weeping over the city. And 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 Jesus, remember when He hung on the cross? He said, "Father, forgive them." And I want to tell you, the Father surely did. And 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 when Jesus died on the cross, He done away with sin. And and He's not. Jerusalem did not get destroyed because of their sin. That's the first thing man thinks about when they see something like this virus going on or they see people dying. They, they, God's behind it. God's doing this. God's trying. You know, I'm so sick of seeing posts about God's trying to get our attention. God ain't trying to get your attention. If God wanted to get your attention, don't you know he could take his finger and ride in the sky? He, he could put verses in the clouds if he wanted to. God could do any. God knows how to get your attention where you'll know that he's after. It's just ridiculous. God didn't. God can't send a plague that he don't have and he don't have it. God don't have the coronavirus, so therefore he can't give it to you. So God don't have it. Nobody in heaven's got the coronavirus, nobody in heaven wearing a mask, okay? So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it, didn't, it didn't come from there. It didn't come from there. It didn't originate there. And uh, so, you, you, you know, some things are just beyond our smarts. Do you know what I mean by that? But you've but you got to be smart enough to know. that. And the reason I'm talking about this story, not only is it because today is Palm Sunday, but I want you to understand it. Look what was going on. Uh, he didn't meet their expectations. He didn't do it, you know, exactly like that, uh, that they wanted him to do it. And therefore, they, they, they resented that. And then they, they're the same people, hauling crucified. And, and 70, you know, A.D., 40 years later, after Jesus' resurrection, the city was destroyed. Now, let me tell you another proof that God's not punishing them. And that Jerusalem, and I'm going to be done just a second. I'm going to speak, I'm going to tell you why Jerusalem got destroyed. But God wasn't behind it. Jesus is crying because he sees it coming. Sometimes you just can't help. Some people are just (laughs) hard-headed. Is that how we say it in the South? They just don't listen. They just will not. If you'd only known, Jesus said, the things that would make peace for you. But you're you're trying to get delivered physically, but you don't understand the real root of all the problem is internal. It's the heart that needs to be born again. It's the heart that, that needs to change. And so... So uh, when Jesus died on the cross, God ripped that veil. But right after Jesus was resurrected and ascended back to the Father, do you know what the, 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 the Jews did as far as the, the Pharisees and, and those who uh, handled the temple, the ministers in other words? They went right, right back to offering lambs. Do you understand in the old, under the Old Covenant, two of God's, Moses's, uh, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, remember them guys? They came into the temple one time and offered what God called strange fire and they were both killed instantly. J- just for doing it wrong. Right? Under the law, under the old covenant. No, no do-overs. You don't get to do-overs if you mess up in the holiest of all. After Jesus is resurrected, those Jewish Pharisees, those leaders those of the temple continued to offer animal sacrifices which was supposed to be done away with. In other words, Jesus was the last sacrifice that was ever offered. But the fact that one priest could go in and offer again the blood of an animal and not die is proof that things had changed. It was a brand new covenant. And for the next 40 years, those priests continued to offer blood sacrifices as if Jesus is dying on the cross, his shedding of his blood, and his sacrifice meant absolutely nothing. Hebrews said they were literally walking over the blood of Jesus, trampling it with their feet, counting it an unholy, unvaluable, unneeded thing. And yet God didn't kill a one of them. They all got to go home that night. After all, can you imagine how blasphemous It is to God for him to send his only son to bleed, suffer, and die on the cross and to shed his blood for the redemption of mankind and the forgiveness and the removal of sin. And for some man, some measly little priest to say that means nothing and it accomplished nothing. Therefore, we're going to keep doing what we did before he came. We're going to offer the blood of bulls and lambs and goats, which Hebrews says can never take away sin. And it can never make those who offer them perfect before God. But Jesus being that one sacrifice once and for all, he accomplished what God sent him to do. He took away sin. And if you put your faith in him, you are born again. You are made perfected forever, the Bible says. I know we don't manifest perfection, and everybody as a Christian love to say we're not perfect and come to us, our church, because we're not perfect people. You know, in your spirit you are, or if you ain't, you ain't going to heaven. You just need to learn and distinguish what you're talking about because you, that's what the Bible says. He has perfected forever those who put their faith and confidence and trust uh, in him. And so you go, well, why in the world did uh, the city of Jerusalem, why did it get destroyed? Why did did, did all the death happen? Why why did all that happen? God wasn't behind it. God didn't want it. God wept over what he saw coming. But he said, you're the ones that won't believe that that would bring peace in your life. And uh, so why did Jerusalem fall? Well, the short answer is because they ticked off the Romans. Listen, if you get a stick and hit a hornet's nest, don't be shocked because you get stung. Hmm? Hmm? You pick a fight with your boss, don't be surprised. He fired me. (laughs) You can blame anything you want to, but the the Jews just kept punching and poking at that Roman army, and they would not do the things that Jesus told them that would have brought peace. And so you just keep doing that, and you keep doing that. They came into the city, Vaspen, Roman conqueror, They sent him in there in in A.D. 68. Uh, He he stayed there. They they tried to deal with him. Violence is happening. Every opportunity for violence. You can read this. In 69, uh, he got commissioned and called back to Rome. Uh, They sent his son uh, in his stead because he got made an emperor, a leader. And and so they sent his son in to uh, Titus. And he come with his army, and uh, he was a little bit more aggressive than his dad, and he surrounded the city. He cut off all supplies. Uh, like nobody could come in. Nobody could go out. Once he put that embankment around them, that was it. And he starved them out. And then when they were starved sufficiently after, in, that, in that year of 70 A.D., he rode in, and he tore that city down and burned it to the ground. And he did not leave one stone upon another. And only the Jews that live were the ones that he did the warning of Jesus and said, when you see these things happening, when you see the enemy gathering around this city, he said, you that are in the city, flee. You that are on the mountain, don't come back down. Don't come back into the city because there's going to be destruction. He was trying to spare their lives. I just wish people could see God like like he really is instead of the way religion has painted him. You know, I I had a preacher the other day that I love so much. He said, I quote all your sayings. <laughs> he said, "I told my people." He said, "Now he said I like saying that you say that God is God our Father, not the Godfather. He doesn't break legs, drown people, kill people to get your attention. And he flat don't send no virus. And I just wish we could stop. You know, and I, you know, I, you just, you know, in times like this, it's weird, it's unprecedented. We've not lived in days like this. And I, I get tired of people trying to, you know, well, here was a prophecy about this. Here's, a <laughs> you know, I've had no, I, so, you know, six that I know of." And, it, and it, it's immaterial, really. Some people, you know, uh, even Nostradamus, they said Nostradamus, predicted the divine. <laughs> Every time there's something, they go back and look at his stuff and say, I believe that's probably what he was talking about. I mean, yeah, it's just ridiculous. What, how do we live our lives? How do we do? Well, first thing you do, like me get all your honey-do list done. I think I've about got mine whipped now. And... Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean when I say honey do list, right? You just do all the stuff at home that you had not been able to do and you're dealing with those things. And, 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 and you know, it, everybody handles things differently. But the thing, you know, we've been delivered from the bondage of fear and death. And so we, we have to live our lives differently. We, we should live our lives differently. But when you see like what happened here, this is, this is the real details of the complexity of Palm Sunday. When Jesus rode in, he wept. Because they would not receive that that would have brought peace in their life. It's, it's really disturbing to be a born-again believer and have not have peace. And, and I understand, you know, you, you, but our peace should not fluctuate no matter what's going on around us. Jesus is our peace. He didn't come to give you peace like a prescription. He lives in you. He came to be your peace. Now, now he, he, said, he said this, and I'll close with this. But he says, well, you know, how does that peace come? Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, Paul wrote, this is New Testament, having been, not will be, having been justified. Now, I've taught you the word justified comes from a Greek word means made righteous. So the Bible interchangeably uses those phrases. Sometimes it says made righteous. Sometimes it says justified. You've heard me use a little play on words that I didn't invent. Justify, just if I'd never sinned is how God sees you. You stand before God just if you never had sinned. There's no sin uh, debit on your account. Your sin account has a zero balance. God does not keep up with our wrong. He, He holds that not against us anymore. So therefore, having been justified by faith, what happens to that? We have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how peace comes. All of you wanting peace? That's how it comes. What brings you peace? Because you know that I'm justified. I stand before God, justified, never sinned. I'm, I'm righteous in the eyes of God, and, and not because God's playing games, but because He made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I'm justified by faith. By faith what? Faith in Jesus. Faith in his sacrifice. Faith in what he did. And, and so therefore I got peace with God. I don't have to worry about God. I got, I got peace with God. And it comes through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, uh, it says, uh, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in his grace. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's what Pastor John was trying to encourage. Rejoice and have hope. This too shall pass. And and look at this. And not only that. I love the way Paul's words this stuff. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. See what it says? Now, it's one thing to glory whenever things going great. But right here, Paul said that we also glory in tribulations. Is there tribulations going on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tumultuous times. But he said, we glory not for it, but in it, in it. And and it, and it doesn't change knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been, not will be, has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let me tell you something, when, you're, when you don't have hope, it's because you're not grounded, steadfast in God's love for you. Now, if, you're, if your belief in God's love for you begins to waver, uh, that's going to affect your hope. You're going to begin, listen any, listen, any area where you and I as a Christian have the absence of hope in an area of our life, that is an area that we are under a lie from the enemy. We are the most hopeful, hope-filled. We have the blessed hope. His name's Jesus, who resides on the inside. How can we not have hope? And so we hope for better days. We hope, you know. And I've seen some amazing things, you know, uh, not necessarily directly firsthand in some cases, but I've seen. I've seen. I was telling my wife last night about people. Uh, Howard being one of them, and different people that I named, even some of my kin people down in in Florida and, and different people that had posted things, you know like if you 're hungry and, and you need food, you, you just you just private message me and i 'll bring you some groceries and drop them on your steps. No questions asked and they said, "No kidding, just just message me there's no telling of all the stuff like that that you guys and other people are doing to reach out to people during this time. Because there there are people. Maybe You know, not everybody's handling this, you know, very well. It breaks my heart that we won't be uh, seemingly able to gather the full church on the uh, Easter Sunday. We call it Easter. Actually, Passover begins Wednesday night, and it ends Thursday night. and But on the Gregorian calendar, they just shove it to Sunday, first day of the week, and call it Easter. And, and you know, and I understand that. we got to deal with that. Uh, Pastor Johanna and I, we even, uh, we were, um, trying to have what we would do to drive in a service here. And uh, we talked to local authorities, and, and we'll just say they strongly discouraged us from doing so. But we were going to have you guys come and park, you know, the ones that wanted to, and we were going to take extra precaution and give you sealed communion packets and and uh, worship outside and, and do that. But the government's afraid y'all love each other so much you won't stay in your cars. <laughs> that you'll look over there and see somebody and just have to go hug them or something but so we're trying to cooperate it's been a weird week uh, a lot of you probably saw where Rodney Howard Brown was last Monday arrested uh, down in Tampa Florida and I know this guy you know he's not like my buddy I don't have his cell number but I had him preach for me uh, he, he came to my church in Sparks when I pastored Cornerstone and so I spent time on his bus that he was drove up there in and just sat in there and had about an hour. Uh, prior to him ministering that night, you know, to, to talk with him. And he, he's just a great man of God. He loves God. He is so passionate. You'll never meet a more passionate evangelist heart to see people say than Rodney Howard Brown. And it was horrible what was done to him. And it's frightening when you see this kind of stuff. And, of course, they've had to rescind all that. And, and the, the governor in their state, as a lot of states have overrode local officials overextending themselves. And, uh, you know, and they're trying to balance it. I, I understand all that. I, they're in a difficult position, so we pray for them. But, you know, we, we got a lot of Christians, guys, like these Jews, they hated the Romans. God said, love you. And they, I mean, you don't have to agree with them, but you're not going to win them by, you know, wanting to bomb them, you know. And, and, and we see people that are Christians, and, and, and they, you know, they hate the government. They hate the president, no matter who it is. The Bible says you, you're to pray for whatever leader's in the office. And he, and he says that, you're, that you might have peace, <laughs> that you can live in peace. But you keep poking the bear, though know, it's going to swat you. you we, we're going to have to, And that's what Jesus was trying to get these Jews to say. That wasn't the way to win Rome, is not to rise up because your, Rome's army bigger than yours. On, on the, you know, listen, you've got to understand this. And I know people get mad about it, but there's no New Testament verse that says you're a soldier. You're not a servant, you're not a soldier, you're a son or daughter. First and foremost. Jesus said, I don't call you service. Jesus don't want to be your master. He, he's your elder brother. God's your father. You understand? Paul said, endure suffering like a soldier. Have the mentality of a soldier that when you're going through tough times, you know, you're going through boot camp, you're going through some tough times. Have that, have that mentality in you. Have that mind in you that you're going to make it. You're going to persevere. You're going to press through. You're going to, go, you're going to be able to go through this. There's another side to this. And so you, you got to have that mentality or you can just kind of fold up. Depression will come your partner and you'll get in despair. You have to do what you do that that brings that peace, which might be toning down on the news some. It might be this and that. You know, I've I've really many years ago dialed mine way down. And even of lately, you know, I I, I found myself I can't, you know, take but so much. I get full quicker on all the, the stuff that's going on. And, uh. But it doesn't change anything as our, our gospel. It doesn't change the message. But I believe with all of my heart, like so many Christians are believing for, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's insignificant that Passover is among us. It's on us here, this week, and so let us just end today by praying that this thing will pass over. And that's not just a play on word. But but God did something there when the plague came. He provided protection. For his people that would believe in it. Anybody, even if they was an Egyptian, if they was inside that house where the Hebrews were, when that blood was seen, it passed over them. That's why it's called Passover. And uh, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he said on the very day that he resurrected, this gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sin should be preached to every nation beginning at Jerusalem. He wasn't mad with those Jews. He had forgiven them and he had taken away their sin. And isn't it significant that he said, beginning at Jerusalem, because it was for them Jews still, and he wanted them to believe. In what his sacrifice had accomplished, the finished work of Jesus when he did not lie, when he said it is finished. And when Jesus saw those Jews who were were spitting at him and 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 railing at him while he was in agony and pain, saying, If you're a God, come down, call for the angel, and all that stuff. But what was Jesus' response to that? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I want to tell you, Papa answered that as soon as his son asked him. And they were forgiven. And he didn't come in there 70, in 70 A.D., 40 years later, and destroy the city because he was ticked off with them. He's always loved. He is love. And he's always going to be the same. And he's never going to change. And so you put your confidence and faith and trust and hope in him. Know that he's poured his love in you while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you. And he demonstrated that love. And then let your heart be filled with hope in that. Amen. Because we're going to get through this. Man, I don't even know what it's going to look like when we all get back in here. I've seen some people post little funny stuff, you know, like this way it's going to be on my first Sunday back where they're dancing up the aisle and all like that. I might even take a lap or something. You can't never tell. Uh, I'll get that excited. I'm pretty reserved, really, but uh, I might get wild if we <laughs> once we all get back in. Let's stand. Uh, Those of in the sanctuary and, and Facebook guys, man, let us hear from you. Communicate. Send us a note. Uh, text us. Write something on our. <laughs> you know let us know that you watched today uh, we'll be uploading this message on to our Grace Point uh, Valdosta.com our webpage as well and so if you missed it you want to catch it later if you're not watching it on Facebook you can do it that way but we love you my elders are here uh, leadership thank you Charles we're still praying for you oh uh, tell you man I'm going to prophesy to you, my wife. Uh, when they were singing that song this morning about the battle and all of that, <clears throat> the Lord said to remind you of that Wednesday night that you walked into Cornerstone when there was a lot of, we were just getting started good and there was a lot of difficulty. And I was so upset by the things that were going on, I told you to stay home and keep my young'uns at the house, not even come church. I don't ask you to remember because I know you do. But I was sitting on the platform and waiting to preach, and I even thought that night I might just resign as pastor. And you knew it, and you knew the whole stake of the church was in balance. And uh, and I was sitting on the platform, and the praise was still going on, and I watched my wife enter into that church. In those days, with a cassette, and she went to the soundboard and handed it to the sound guys, and then she marched to the front and, and took the stage which she did not do <laughs> and she took the mic and she nodded to them and they played us a, a track and she sung her heart out and God brought great victory to my heart and to that church and she probably saved Cornerstone from that night and God said just like you, you, you he put, a, he put the, uh, praise in your heart and so you, you got victory uh, with the battle with our youngins, and that it was on your heart, uh, God's brought victory, and you just keep praising the Lord. Says and you keep doing the same thing that you did that night, because the the, the battle is the Lord's, and there there will be victory out of every everything. and And uh, I felt like you deserve not to be shortchanged just because you haven't been my wife. You needed to to know that, and that goes for a lot of people. But the battle is the Lord's; the victory is already won in Him, and we just have to stand. And sometimes it looks the very opposite of the way we want it to go. But God's working something from the inside, internal, and more than just we want a physical deliverance, save us right now. Do it this way quick. But it doesn't always happen. And it had not happened that quick with the virus. But I want to promise you that it's happening. God has turned the tide of this thing. And I am believing along with many And we are speaking to that mountain. We're not cowering uh, under it. We're speaking to it and rebuking it as an enemy of God and his people and in this world. And we're standing in confidence in our God. And uh, we're not moving in fear. We're moving in faith. And, uh, And so you keep doing the things you do. Thank you for those, like Pastor John has said, that are supporting this church. Because without you doing that, we won't be here when this is over. This will just be an empty building, and you say, well, Grace Point used to be there. I remember back. Remember that virus took them out? Because I can't underwrite this myself. I can't feed the people. I can't pay for this. It ain't my church. It belongs to the Lord. But by your faith, your support, and don't be wanting people to say, well, I'll do it tomorrow, and then you don't think about it. Because our bills will come in the mail tomorrow. And we need you just to support and do the things that if this is your house, if this is where you feed from, I don't care if, where you, if you live in Alaska, but if this is where you get your food, then, then support the ministry that's reaching out to you and feeding you and trying to be here for you uh, during this time, okay? And so I know a lot of churches, and our heart goes out to them. there's, I mean, people, are they're upset. They're struggling. But uh, we won't struggle if we all just do what God's called us to do. Amen. I just told God through this. I said, God, it ain't mine, Papa. It's yours. I'm just trusting you. And I've got faith in him that he'll, this, we'll be here right when it's over. And I'm hoping that's gonna be pretty quick. I'm, I'm so reluctant now. I've done said too many things. They come behind me and change the dates. So I'm just kind of being quiet <laughs> till I know exactly what they're gonna do, because they keep extending, and it's very fluid, and we understand that. But we say that we love you, uh, we appreciate uh, you guys, and we pray that this is an encouragement to you today. God's not mad with nobody, and he didn't destroy Jerusalem. They, they, they just wouldn't lead, uh, let Christ lead them into that that brought peace in their lives. But this is a Palm Sunday. Next is Easter. What a wonderful time to m- remember what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody on Facebook. We love these guys. I would just pray your blessings continued upon their lives. And I know they will. And I just thank you for the peace of God that rules their heart, that guards their heart and mind. I thank you that they know that the joy of the Lord is their strength because it's your joy and it doesn't fluctuate up and down. And I pray that peace that passes all understanding, Lord God, uh, keep us in this season in this time that we're in. And we do that and declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you.